Well, good morning. Welcome to our continuing Bible study in uh, the book of Luke. and We're in uh, chapter 22. And today we'll be uh, <clears throat> looking at uh, verse 63 through 65. And <clears throat> uh, the name of our title of our message today is Our Substitute, and we'll just read these first, these three verses here, and then uh, then we'll get started. <clears throat> In Luke twenty two sixty three, there were men guarding Jesus, and they began laughing at him and beating him. They blindfolded him, and they said, prophecy who hit you or who's uh, who smote thee is what it says in the KJV and uh, and many other things blasphemously spake they against him and in our lesson titled Our Substitute today, the, you know, all the, the gospel lessons up to this point, the Lord had been busy about proclaiming the gospel, the good news, the gospel of his saving his people from their sins, his almighty activity and doing for us what we, we couldn't do for ourselves. And it's the same message that's been declared from the foundation of the world. And, you know, the result has been the same. It's been true from eternity. The, the, in the fall, because we became and are sinners and, and in our condition as dead in trespasses and sins, we don't, we do not, we cannot believe either the truth of that situation that we're sinners, the truth of God or the miracle of substitution uh, I was, I'd kind of written this a few days ago, but then Yvonne was uh, making us some supper the other night and she had some zucchini and she had this new recipe for zucchini fritters and and she was going through the recipe and she says, well, I don't have that and I don't have that and I don't have that. <laughs> and so she was looking up in her book, what, well, what can I substitute for this or what can I substitute for that? And she says, well, I don't have that either, so we're just leaving it out. <laughs> they came out okay, but, uh, you know, scripturally and as far as uh, the gospel is concerned, they're, they're, you can't leave anything out of the... There's no substitute that you can substitute for, for the sacrifice of Christ. There's no substitute that you can do. And you can't leave anything out and have it still work it won't come out and you know by she was she was fresh out of a few things and and you know by sin in the fall we're fresh out of belief we're fresh out of <clears throat> we're void of any righteousness and uh, you know Isaiah wrote and we'll probably be looking at this in the as we as we move through Luke and we're looking at our substitute and the things that he endured in our place that were pictures of 
what we deserve that Christ fulfilled. Uh, Isaiah 53, 1 said, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? <clears throat> and uh, it must be revealed in the new birth or it can't be seen or, or received or understood. That's the scriptures are very clear about that. You, you can't see the kingdom of God. You can't enter the kingdom of God. You can't receive it. You can't understand it uh, because it's spiritually discerned. And that's what it tells us in 1 Corinthians 2.14. Can't receive them. Uh, we don't believe them. And, you know, in every point thus far that we've shown in our studies in our Bible classes that we've been connecting the Old Testament gospel prophecies with the record of their being fulfilled, the record of them being carried out in time according to the determinate will and purpose of God. And our text today from Luke 22, uh, 63 is no different. It's the same, uh, just as Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And uh, He's our great and loving substitute. And... Uh, these words that we read that they blindfolded him and smote him on, on the cheek <clears throat> well Isaiah tells us he was smitten of God now he used these men to carry that out just as he uses human uh, means to accomplish a lot of his uh, purposes it's as he has determined but <clears throat> They smote him on the cheek, but Isaiah said he was smitten of God. And and I just thought, you know, in Romans 9.22 says, What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? He let those guys smack him in the face. <laughs> they blindfolded him. And that this is just the beginning, and that's kind of our point today, is this is just the beginning of the physical afflictions that he would be faced with and endure in our place as our substitute, taking what we deserved, and not just physically. These things happen to him physically, but but more importantly, they're a picture of, of the spiritual nature of things where... Uh, it's just an exhibit of God's wrath, and it can only be displayed kind of physically uh, in in this manner. And uh, <clears throat> because of our sin nature and our rejection of God, of the Lord, of the Spirit, we can't, in this nature, really understand the magnitude or the seriousness of sin. And 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 we can't really apply it personally. Uh, we certainly don't see our need for a substitute. Because we say, a substitute for what? I didn't really do anything that needs to be substituted for. I didn't really do anything wrong. Uh, if I did something wrong, I was justified. <laughs> I, you know, we, we see that in the news every day. We, in the, in the news. Well, those people, I know they set fire to the courthouse and burned 92 cop cars and and abused a lot of people and threw rocks and bottles and stuff. And then they looted 
4,000 stores. But they were, they had a right to do that because they were mistreated somehow. And so they had a, they were justified in, in, in doing that. But, uh, and that's just the nature of man to try and minimize sin and to rationalize it as permissible or, or even as Adam said, well, it wasn't my fault. You gave me the woman. <laughs> it's really, it's, it's really your fault, God. If you hadn't given me that woman, I would not have ate that fruit. <laughs> we can't see or understand that all sin must meet justice. It's absolute. It's an absolute fact. There's no omissions. There's no, well, that didn't count. No human application of redefining wrongdoing by degrees of seriousness. That's what we do in, in our human nature. We, we, we say, well, it was only second degree murder. <laughs> he didn't really plan it out, but he did it on the spur of the moment or second degree theft or all those things that we define as in in degrees and we decriminalize things in our mind and and but that's not true with God sin sin is an absolute with him he, and God has determined that sin all sin must be paid for period and so it's a misunderstanding of the eternal holy nature of God and thus misunderstanding the penalty of sin and an eternal consequence that leads to more and more understand, misunderstandings. <clears throat> they don't understand God. They don't understand holiness, His holiness and righteousness. And they, they think of God in, in terms of themselves and not Him being the absolute sovereign creator ruler and so they apply things to God that are that are not applicable and they try to assign to him human characteristics and attributes and and, and understandings that don't apply to him <clears throat> Our text in Luke 22:63 it's really a dividing line between when the declaring all the declaring of the gospel from Genesis 1:1 on and the gospel being carried out according to the determinate will and foreknowledge of God the Father. <clears throat> he was smitten of God. That was written by Isaiah centuries before. And it was written because God determined that that's what would happen. <clears throat> and he foreknew it because he determined it. Not, not the other way around. Uh, he, not because he just had a really cool crystal ball and could, was a good fortune teller. He, he determined everything that... <clears throat> I like that scripture says, In him we move and have our being. Well, if we really take that verse and look at it in its total, every movement that we make 
is is by his determinate counsel and will everything <clears throat> in him we move and have our being uh, so everything's being carried out according to his determinate will and purpose he foreknew because he determined he ordained what in his sovereign purpose would end in satisfaction that's what it tells us if we go down to the end of Isaiah 53 after he says all those things that were going to happen to Christ he was wounded for our transgressions he was smitten of God and afflicted and all those things that say what he was going to do for his people God was going to look at those and be satisfied with that that offering that that was pictured in all the Old Testament <clears throat> that would end in satisfaction and that is the, what he has determined is the only thing that would end in satisfaction there's there's nothing else that's going to end in satisfaction he caused it to be written he caused it to be preached in every age a substitute and we found we found that from the from the beginning adam hid adam denied sin denied that there was really a consequence according to the word of god and then he attempted to provide his own substitute he sewed those they sewed aprons out of fig leaves he didn't even know how to make a good substitute <laughs> i mean how long could a fig leaf last <laughs> i mean you bend over one or two times <laughs> plus they're really scratchy and fig leaves are if you were going to have a thing that you were going to pick out of all the elements on the earth of all the things <clears throat> just shows you how bad the fall is well let's pick a fig leaf well it's big kind of big probably so <laughs> but it's just not comfy <clears throat> it doesn't make a very good covering and the eyes of them both were open and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons which was unsatisfactory to God. Sin had not been covered. <clears throat> so unto Adam and also unto his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. A picture of what would be satisfactory. In the process of time, we move on to Genesis 4. The process of time... It came to pass that Cain brought the fruit of the ground and offered it to the Lord. Here's a zucchini. It was unsatisfactory to God. A zucchini does not picture what is I've determined that would be satisfactory to me. <clears throat> But unto Abel, he also brought of the first of his flock and the fat thereof, as had been shown him. And the Lord had respect to Abel and his offering. Now his offering didn't, was not effectual, it was a picture. But there was an understanding there that that was to picture a substitute. And that blood was going to be shed. And that there was going to be a covering from sin for sin because of that blood that was shed and it represented a, 
a picture and understanding that God would provide a substitute. Uh, and Norm and I were talking this morning about uh, Genesis uh, 22:8, where Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And he brought out something that he's going to kind of share in one of his lessons on further on. But uh, God provided the only thing that was satisfactory. <clears throat> and uh, in our study of Luke so far has shown, firstly, that Christ coming as promised, fulfilling all the law and doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, tempted in all points, yet without sin. And secondly, he demonstrated without question that he was the Son of God with power. How many miracles did we did we talk about and read about in Luke? Raising people from the dead, and that's uh, causing the lame to walk and the blind to see and the deaf to hear and lepers cleansed and all those things that pictured his ability, his power as the Son of God <clears throat> for the purpose of identifying him. Uh, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And he says, neither this man sinned nor his parents, but he was this way be so that the power of God might be displayed. It was for a purpose. Thirdly, he declared the gospel of his substitutionary offering and suffering and death in the place of his people, the, those people that God the Father had given him in eternity in the covenant of grace. Matthew twenty twenty eight says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. <clears throat> and that word for means in the place of. It's a... Uh, in exchange uh, in our text <clears throat> now begins the the uh, the physical affliction you know before the as Christ went around he dealt with the unbelievers and the people that that the Pharisees and the religious people that in unbelief they said all kinds of awful things to him and accused him of everything that you could think of. You're just a drunkard or or charlatan or uh, an insurrectionist, anything they could think of to accuse him to to distract from the reality of it. But now that was just verbal maybe a little emotional, but now becomes we come to the beginning of the physical, the actual physical smiting of the Lord. <clears throat> the, the assault on the word and truth of the word of God. You know, he was, he was bound as the scripture said he would be. He was bound and led to the high priest. <clears throat> but you know, as we look at this and we look at some of the couple of the other gospels that kind of give a little more detail on what is transpiring <clears throat> Jesus is kind of in this court area and they've got a fire built there and Peter's kind of sitting off to the side there and and remember they said hey you're one of them Jesus folks and he's nope nope I'm not and <clears throat> and they've got these people that have been given custody of Jesus and they're 
they've got time to kill, so they're just abusing him to kind of kill time. Because the head guys, the chief priests and the elders, they're all in a little room off to the side, as we often find in religion, when they want to get rid of somebody. <laughs> they have their little secret meeting off to the side and say, we have to do something with this guy. And they said, well, he hasn't really done anything bad. Well, <clears throat> we have to get some liars then. <laughs> we have to get some. We need to send out and see if we can find some false witnesses that will testify against him and accuse him of something that, so that we can stone him or have him put to death. Well, so these guys that have him now, they're mocking him. They put a blindfold on him and smacked him and said, hey, prophecy, who, t who was that smacked you? And, you know, he just kept quiet. He knew who was. But it wasn't for the purpose of saying, okay, I know it was the centurion or uh, this Jewish fellow that hit me. <clears throat> Who hath believed our report? They mocked him in unbelief. Which that's all that boils down to. Is they, they didn't believe, so they mocked him. In spite of all that they witnessed, just not three paragraphs ago, he put the ear back on a guy <laughs> that got almost cleaved with a sword. They got knocked to the ground when he said, I am. That, you'd think that they would say, hmm, maybe we ought to reconsider what we're doing here. But no, no, they were so, so intensely convinced in their unbelief and in their lost state that they could do whatever they wanted to. So they mocked him and, and smacked him and... and <clears throat> And just as in all through time, it, it meant nothing to a heart in its natural condition of being dead in sin, desperately wicked and deceitful. It just doesn't. They, they can see all the miracles as we saw all the way from, from the beginning of the Bible all the way through the Exodus and all the things that were shown to them and going into the promised land and all the people that were raised from the dead and healed of leprosy and all those things that were shown in God's power in the Old Testament to the unregenerate it just meant nothing they had to be given a heart to believe and Ephesians says we believe according to the working of his mighty power and if that mighty power is not exercised on us then, then we just won't and we, we can't our text says the men held Jesus, they mocked him and smote him, blindfolded him, struck him in the face and said, prophecy, who is it that smote thee? <clears throat> well, you know, Job, they say Job's one of the oldest books in the Bible. And just because it comes after uh, Psalms in the Bible, doesn't, it's not a chronological order, but it's maybe much, much older than that. But Job wrote, in chapter 16 verse 9 he teareth me in his wrath who hateth me gnash upon me with his teeth mine enemy sharpen his eyes upon me 
They have gaped upon me with their mouth. They have smitten me upon the cheek reproachfully. They've gathered themselves together against me. What prophetic words did Job write and how we see that coming together. The agony. Think of Christ, the agony. He, he, was, he caused all this to be written in Job and in Isaiah, in Psalm. Boy, when we get into Psalm 22, it just takes you through that episode on the cross and it gives you just step-by-step graphic detail of the agony that he endured as our substitute. And so this is really just the beginning. This is like preliminary stuff. But imagine not just the physical aspect of being abused by these men that he was so far above that he endured with much long suffering because he was accomplishing what it said in the gospel that he would lay down his life a ransom for many imagine the agony of being punished by one whom you loved eternally he said what's the greatest commandment thou shalt love the Lord with God with all thy heart and all thy he's the only one that could do that and imagine him taking this and from the one that he loved with all his heart and all his soul and all his might, smiting him. He was smitten of God and afflicted. It's it's just beyond our comprehension. We just can't we can't really get our arms around the the immensity of that. <clears throat> Micah chapter five. In Micah chapter five talks about some of this and when we get down to verse 5 it says something just incredibly important in Micah 5 1 says now gather thyself in troops O daughter of troops he hath laid siege against us they shall smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon the cheek but thou Bethlehem of Ephrata though thou be little among the thousands of Judah yet out of Thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Therefore will he give them up until the time that she which travaileth have brought forth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return unto the children of Israel, and he shall stand and feed in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide for now shall he be great unto the ends of the earth. Imagine that. It's kind of a contradiction, not really not a contradiction, but a, a something that we can't really fully grasp of him submitting to being smitten and yet being strengthened all at the same time. And he says in verse 5, And this man shall be the peace. This man shall be the peace, the substitute. This man shall be the peace when the Assyrian shall come into our land, when he shall tread in our palaces. Then shall we raise against him seven shepherds and eight principal men. But the, the, he, this man shall be the peace. 
you know he's the, the substitute enduring for us what we deserve the substitute that imputes to us his own righteousness by grace and so we find that substitution salvation by substitutionary grace then is the inverse of the proposition of man because we found that man from the very beginning is always trying to substitute his own his own works of righteousness in the place of what God has, has determined is satisfactory and so so salvation by grace the inverse of the proposition of man God providing a substitute in grace not man providing works as a substitute for the substitute in Isaiah 29 he says surely you're, you're turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay for shall the work say of him that made it he made me not or shall the thing framed of say of him that framed it he had no understanding that trying to substitute our understanding and our uh, concept of what what sub, what cons, consists of righteousness it's turning things upside down it'll never work <laughs> Our text declares the, the beginning of what the Lord declared at the Lord's Supper. He said, this is my body, which is given for you. <clears throat> now, while in Jesus' custody and waiting his trial, the, his examination by the high priest, because remember, the sheep had to be taken to the high priest. And he would ex they, they had to put that sheep aside for two weeks and make sure that it didn't have anything wrong with it. And when they were satisfied that it was without blemish and without spot wasn't sick or blind or halt or maimed or all those things that we found that they decided hey we can we can fob this off on the priest and sell the good sheep at the market because we can't sell this defective one <laughs> but he fulfilled all that he he was bound he was brought to the high priest and while while he's awaiting this examination, they're, they're seeking these false witnesses that talks about in Matthew 26, 59. They, saw, they sought false witnesses against Jesus to put him to death. A sentence that God had already determined to be carried out in which they, by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, were carrying out. And again he foreknew because he determined and that's what it tells us in Acts 2.23 him being delivered by or according to the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God you have taken him by wicked hands of crucified and slain he determined it and he foreknew it because he determined it they'd already decided the outcome in their minds they were not an impartial jury. They were not there to weigh evidence of the truth. They had already decided. It tells us in John chapter 11, verse 47, Then gathered the chief priests 
and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we for this man does many miracles? And if we let him us alone, all men will believe on him. That shows you how warped their, their mind was. And the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. And one of them named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, You know nothing at all, nor consider it, that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, that the whole nation perish not. You know, they were looking at it from purely a physical standpoint, saying, Hey, if we get rid of this insurrectionist, the Romans will be satisfied. We can go on in our religiosity and continue unabated and unhindered. But we got to get rid of this troublemaker guy first. He didn't really understand what he said. And that's what it tells us in verse 51 of John 11. This spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation and not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. And from that day forward, they took counsel together for to put him to death. So they'd already determined, according to the determinate counsel of God, what should take place. And they, in their devious minds, they were working out all these things and everything played into their hands just as God determined. Judas came to them and said, hey, I can, I can deliver this guy, just as the scripture said. And the chief priests and all the council sought for witnesses against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none. For many bear false witness against him, but their witnesses agreed not together. Wait, isn't that just a picture of, of man's interpretation of the gospel too? All these ones bearing false witness against Christ and his substitutionary uh, death for us, for his people. But even their witnesses don't agree together. <laughs> this one says, well, we believe this. And another one says, well, we believe that. It all, it all boils down to their, their own uh, self trying to, trying to implement some sort of self-righteousness. But their various schemes, their, their various schemes are as many as there are denominations of what is called Christianity in the world. But they don't agree together. There's only one truth. There's only one substitute. There's only one gospel. And if somebody comes with another gospel that's not another gospel, he says, you ought to avoid them. <laughs> so <clears throat> we'll stop there. And, and our final word is uh, be free in the substitute.